100 days of code has been like an absolute game changer for for that sort of time discipline before i found 100 days of code i was kind of doing it you know every other day for an unspecified amount of time and then as soon as i found 100 days of code it was very much like okay i've got to get an hour in today you know when am i going to do it oh if i can do it in the morning great if i can do it in the evening you know great as well Hey everybody, this is Sean from iCodeHireMe.com and this is episode number 11 of the iCodeHireMe podcast, a show where I talk with developers that taught themselves how to code and landed a job as a software engineer, all without having to get a degree in computer science. We'll get into the details of why they decided to quit their job and learn to code, how they learned to code, and what it's like to land that first job. Today I'm chatting with Dan Page for about a year and a half. Dan has been working as a recruiter um, in London, and on the side, he's been teaching himself how to code, and just last week, he accepted his first job as a junior front-end developer, Um, so Dan's in a really cool spot right now for us because he just finished up this job search and hasn't even started his new role as a software engineer, so Dan, thanks for being on the show. Congrats on the job. I'm really (laughs) excited to get into all these details. Yeah, thanks a lot, Sean. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so why don't we start off with just tell us a little bit about your background. What did you study at university and what did you end up doing after that? So I studied accounting and finance at university. Um, I didn't really I didn't really know what, to, what I wanted to do. Um, but like I was always uh, relatively good at like maths and, and uh, logic at, at school. And I thought accounting would be like more functional in the real world than just studying something like maths. And then kind of all I learned from my degree was that I just didn't want to become an accountant. Um, <laughs> and so it, it just, it just wasn't as interesting as I thought, although maybe it is, but I, you know, I, uh, I just didn't think it was for me. And then I, uh, I read a book called rich dad, poor dad, um, which was like, like quite successful, I think in like the nineties. But, um, but one of the things that he said is that if you consider yourself to be kind of entrepreneurial and you don't really know what you want to do, then it's worth getting into sales. Um, so when I graduated, I just thought, well, I don't know what to do. And I'm kind of like a, an introverted geeky guy. And I thought, well, if I learn sales, that will be like almost me working on, on my weaknesses and, and upskill there. And then I'll sort of see where I go. Um, so straight out of university, I went into tech recruitment, uh, like agency side, which is essentially you're finding developers for, for companies in and around London. Um, I did that for about three years. Um, and then I took this internal recruitment role at this fintech company in London. Um, and about that point when I was interviewing, I already knew that I wanted to become a developer. This was like a year and a half ago. And I kind of just said in my interview, in a year's time, I'm going to go and become a developer. Um, so I'm happy to come here and learn and do this internal recruitment role, but I'm only here for like a year. and. Uh, luckily, I actually knew the company quite well, so they were like really receptive to that, and um, and they they were like, yeah, that's cool. Um, we'll help you as much as we can, and then and then I got that job, and um, yeah, and then I kind of started. When I started that job, I was like, okay, I'm actually going to give my all to this internal recruitment because it was still new, it was still a different job to what I was doing before, um, and I focused on that for about three months, and then you know once I passed probation, I thought you know I realized that I still wanted to do this development thing, and then. Yeah, since basically from like last October, last 10 months, 
I've been like really, you know, almost coding every day. Um, and yeah, now, now we're here. How did you know, or what made you want to become a developer? Because you said when you were interviewing, you knew you wanted to be a developer. How did you know that? I think when I was uh, in a recruitment agency, I I used to talk to people about their jobs, and I would think like, oh, this is really cool. It's awesome that you just get to like, you know, rock up to work whenever you like. There's a like, games consoles and pool tables, and you know, companies are just fighting over each other to try and get the best talent and if you're a good developer, you're in high demand and, you know, it, it just sort of seemed like a great place to be. And then at the time I just thought, oh, maybe I'm just like a really empathetic recruiter. Like maybe I'm just like one of the nice ones. And then as time got got on, I just kind of thought, actually, I don't know if it is that. I think I just, I'm just jealous of their jobs. Um, and then it, it also helps that like my, my dad and my stepdad and my cousin are all software developers um, as if that wasn't like a big enough sign for me. And uh, I remember my cousin, he used to work at Mozilla Firefox as a front end dev, and he showed me around the offices in London. And it was just like fully stocked, you know, beer fridge, fully stocked snacks, like really cool meeting rooms. And, uh, you know, I guess that's all the like superficial side of it. But that kind of like made me think that like this is an interesting industry. And then um, and then, yeah, I think just uh, I think I just sort of. Uh, I don't know what the final straw was that eventually got me to like really pursue it. But I think it was like a build up of a lot of a lot of flags that were like, OK, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do this. And eventually I, I sort of pulled the trigger on it and uh, just sort of dove into you know, free code camp. So what was that first experience that you had with code? When when did you first see code and write code? I think my dad tried to get me into code when I was like 11, 12, and he was like trying to get me to build websites on like Dreamweaver. And I remembered I just like hated it. I didn't see the point. Um, and so I was just, I was also distracted by like gaming. Uh, and there's a kid that obviously put that as a priority. And then I think later on in my teens, I kind of messed around with like hacking. So there's a site called Hack This Site, which I thought was like really, really cool. And I was trying to, I was trying to learn how to hack without knowing anything about code. So it was like really basic, like HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. Um, but that was like, that was years and years ago. Um, in terms of like this time around when I thought oh, I'm actually going to learn to code, I think I, I think I first started with Python, um, on using that book, learn Python the hard way, which I thought was really good, but I just remember doing it and going through the chapters and the exercises and not being able to piece together, like why you would ever need a for loop, you know, in Python when I don't know anything about code. And then that kind of was a bit like, why am I doing this? And then I think after that, when I moved on to the front end, it was it was just really cool to be able to code code something. Whether it was it was probably the HTML stuff on on Free Code Camp, and literally see like, oh, if I do this, then this is the result. So yeah, it was you know it was probably the 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 very basics on Free Code Camp. How did you know what programming language to start with? Because for a lot of people they they kind of tinker with code on the side or at least google a lot of things and it's really hard to know where to start it probably helped a little bit with my recruitment experience in that i've i've probably hired for every job in tech at some point um and and i used to i used to specialize in like the security market like the hacking and the pen testing and i just knew that that was just like a as cool as that world is it's insanely complicated and i need to start somewhere else um and then backend, you know, I still don't fully understand what backend do, even though I've uh, got to where I am. Like, I, I, I know it's something about building APIs, and but that's about it. I think with front end, it was, uh, it just sort of seemed more, 
yeah, I, I guess it was, yeah, it was the Python things of not really being able to understand how it was used. And then with the front end, it was, it was probably the, that I knew that, you know, as a developer, it's, you know, in, in recruitment, it's probably easier to get into the front end, uh, a front end developer job than it is a back end developer job. A lot of the back end developers that we were hiring had to have like really strong computer science fundamentals. So they'd have to have a degree in it. Whereas I knew that for front end, you could pretty much come from any background as long as you, you knew what you were doing. That's some good insight from your technical recruitment job. That's pretty awesome that you kind of had the inside knowledge of, uh, okay, here are the the types of roles that I can I know I can get into with with uh, little experience or self taught. Um, that was probably that sounds pretty valuable. My day job for you know three four years has been hiring developers, and so that's massively helped with talking to hiring managers and you know front end leads about what exactly it is they want. Uh, and there were quite a few things in my recruitment career that really helped or that really shaped my my direction of learning. Um, so, for example, I, I actively avoided using libraries and frameworks for as long as I could, because I just remember having conversations with hiring managers where they were they were saying, we want someone with core JavaScript skills. We don't want someone that's reliant on jQuery. And as a recruiter, you don't know you don't know what that means. You just kind of you just <laughs> learn to ask the right questions of like, oh, so how do you feel about jQuery? But uh, but when it came to learning, uh, I think I think with Free Code Camp they start you off on like Bootstrap and, and jQuery. And I remember just thinking like I'll just get through this section and then I'll discard it. And for all my projects, I won't use it because I want to know how it ha- how it works like fundamentally. But I also kind of remember, especially with Bootstrap, and as a complete beginner kind of getting quite frustrated with not understanding why oh if i just use this word this happens but not understanding anything beyond that it was almost it almost just felt like you were copying and pasting rather than actually like coding and learning how things work so that was that that was something that was again like really useful from my from my other career at what point did you start getting into free code camp so it, you mentioned it a few times so it sounds like that was one of the biggest catalysts for you uh learning how to code so how did you get into that how did you find them it's it's always hard to say like what happened a year and a half ago i think i think it's just a classic thing of you just google you know you just google everything and then whichever pops up the most times i think i started on i might have even started on code academy or i might have started on free code camp I have a suspicion that I came across Free Code Camp um, a while ago uh, before I started learning this time and tried it and then and then sort of didn't have time or, or wasn't as interested. Um, so I don't know. It's just kind of like, you know, I knew of Khan Academy. I knew of Code, Code Academy. I knew of, you know, all, all of the places. Um, I think Code Academy was really good as well. Uh, yeah, I just I just sort of found Free Code Camp and and thought just just went from there I really liked how how it, how structured it was like I'm I'm the sort of guy that writes a to-do list every day and the fact that I could see like do a tiny challenge and then tick it off was really helpful for me as a as a beginner because it it felt like I was making progress um no matter what I was doing and when were you finding time to do this I'm assuming this was you had a full-time job but were you doing this nights and weekends um or when when were you doing this recruitment is very much like you have to be in a you know 8 30 latest and you have to leave like well after six so there wasn't a lot of time um it was it was basically um yeah in the evenings i tried a few times to do it in the morning um i'm just really like not a morning person i wish i was uh the the one or two times i've done coding in the morning or gone to the gym in the morning i've absolutely loved that day 
but for whatever reason, I can't bring myself to do it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was it was mainly evenings. Um, you know, come home from work, eat, um, and then and then yeah, try and get that hour in. Um, I'd say that the hundred days of code has been like an absolute game changer for for that sort of time discipline. Before I found a hundred days of code, I was kind of doing it, you know, every other day for an unspecified amount of time. And then as soon as I found a hundred days of code, it was very much like, okay, I've got to get an hour in today. You know, when am I gonna do it? Oh, if I can do it in the morning, great. If I can do it in the evening, you know, great as well. Mm-hmm. For those that don't know what a hundred days of code is, could you briefly explain it? Yeah, sure. So I think it was it was um, a guy called Alexander Calloway who who founded it, who who created this movement. But the idea is is essentially that you you code for at least an hour a day every day, obviously for a hundred days, and then you and then you can log, you can have a log on GitHub, or you can tweet about it. For me, the big thing that that I got from it was it sort of just taught me about consistency and how you know with coding you just there's so much stuff you don't know and you're never going to learn it all. And so, you know, it's it's so important just to at least learn something new every day. Like just try and do something new every day or even on projects where I was really stuck on it and I, you know, wanted to go ask a friend for to help me with this big hurdle. I thought, well, I can work on a different part of the project or I can just do something so that when I come back to it tomorrow, I'm still further ahead than where I was. I think before 100 Days of Code, sometimes I would get stuck in an area and then almost just leave it. And then the longer that you leave it and you don't come back to it, the more daunting it is to come back to that problem. And and so, yeah, the, the 100 Days Code really helped me just just do something, just do something every day. And then the social media side of it is quite cool. Like I, I'm really not a social media guy. Um, I don't think I, I think I tweeted about three times in my life before 100 Days Code. Uh, yeah, I thought that was that was surprisingly, surprisingly useful. It was quite cool to see other people go through stuff you've been through and also other people do things that you haven't done yet and yeah just to be able to like you know click on that hashtag and, and see everyone's everyone's tweets that's going through it it's kind of feels like you're going you're going through the same stuff other people are yeah also there's there's a whole lot of value from you know resources and and you know free udemy courses um that, that i got from that as well um but that was very secondary to just just doing something every day it sounds like you were pretty busy at this time. So you had a full-time job. You're doing this um, on the side at night. You're committing to coding for 100 days in a row. You're learning on free code camp. How did you stay motivated? Was the the goal this whole time to get your job for um, at the end of this 100 days or, or whenever? I think it was, it, it fundamentally comes from, you know, coding is fun. And, you know, it's funny because now I have friends and and family that also learn to code and it's it's kind of like the unit of excitement you get kind of stays the same but for different levels of complexity so when you're a complete beginner you get super excited about just the smallest bit of HTML CSS working and then when you get more advanced you you get you know super excited about a custom method in React or, or whatever but it's the same amount of excitement and that's the thing is that I just sort of enjoyed enjoyed getting better at something that I thought was incredibly complicated. Yeah, just learning learning something new and then being able to use it. Um, to be honest, actually, now I think about it, I think it was it was being able to work on something and then see your results, um, you know, the next day. 
So for example, I would go into work and then almost the first thing I would look at as I go into work, you know, it wasn't my emails, it was my GitHub account. And then I would look at the commits I did from the last night and be like, yeah, that's cool. Or like, oh yeah, I'm glad I did that. And then, yeah. And then being able to see projects and be able to just go up to people and say like, oh, hey, look, this is what I built. And it was like that weather app or it was a, is a random quote machine or it was a Wikipedia viewer, especially when it's functional, you know, be able to sort of build something in HTML and CSS is like, looks nice. But when with JavaScript, when it, when it makes something interactive, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's a cool thing just to use yourself. It, it's quite hard to explain. I think I just kind of really enjoyed that whole process of, of learning and building something. And then, then being able to like, say I built this, even though no one's ever going to use it. It's pretty empowering to just to be able to build things. Uh, it, it is very hard to explain, but you have this tool set and the skill set that you can literally build almost anything you want, even if it's for no reason. And it's pretty exciting. Yeah, I kind of think that um, going back to the motivation, I kind of think that the, the motivation of getting a job wasn't that big for me because uh, for a long time, you know, this this sort of internal recruitment job that, that I have at the moment or finishing up with is actually really fun. It was really enjoyable. It has all the benefits that, you know, I work in a cool company, really relaxed, get to play sport, all this other stuff is great. And I think that, you know, if I if my only motivation was just that I want to get a job in the future, I think that wouldn't have been as powerful as actually just enjoying the process of building something. Um, you know, and it was only towards, you know, recently where I thought, actually, okay, I'll, I'll get this job. I, but maybe it also I also knew that, um, you know, the company I work for were happy to... Um, you know, uh, move me internally into a front end developer role anyway. So I kind of, and because I committed to a year, um, you know, when in that first sort of three months, those first six months I was at this company, uh, I said to them, I'll do this job for a year and then I'll, then I'll go and do whatever, or like go and try and find my way into front end. Little did I know that they would actually offer me that front end role later. Um, although that's not where I've, where I've gone now, but the point being is because I, it's almost like because I'd put a time limit on myself of, of a year, it kind of took the pressure off of me to be like, oh, I have to get a job right now. It more meant that I have this time, so let's do things properly and let's, you know, let's learn the fundamentals. Let's let's build this project. I have loads of time. And I would I would actually schedule out like how, what projects I wanted to finish by what time. And kind of, it kind of, I think it really helped me understand that, yeah, simply, you know, building stuff is is fun and enjoyable and that means that any time that I was unsure I knew that I was I was in this for the right reasons I wasn't just like wasting my time so let's talk about that transition period of when you were just thinking about oh maybe I can get a full-time job doing this how did you make that mental jump and how did you know you were ready to get a full-time job as a developer to be honest I still don't think <laughs> I still don't think I am. I don't, it's a weird one where like basically sort of six months into my job, I was chatting, I was having, you know, having a beer with one of the front end leads and I told him like, oh, I've been learning to code for the last three months or whatever. And it's something I really want to do. And like his eyes just lit up and he was super uh, enthusiastic about, about getting me to be a front end developer at my current company. And so he, you know, so that started like pair programming on a Friday and he would, you know, we'd sit down for beers on Friday at four and, and he'd go through my like really basic code and help me out. And then later, uh, like sort of later on, like a couple months later or, or earlier this year, um, you know, I sat down with, uh, with basically the C level at the company 
uh, I work for now and just just said, okay, I know we've talked about this. A lot of people are aware of it. People know I want to do it, but I actually want a timeline of I'm, I want to move internally. Um, I think I think generally speaking, if you want to change jobs, it's a lot easier to do it within the company you work at because they know you and they you know if they know you're a hard worker, they know you have the right culture fit. It's you're less of a you're less of a risk, and it's also a great success story for them to be able to say. Are oh, we move this person internally? And my company are particularly focused focused on it. Um, basically, around ten percent of the company either change jobs, change teams, or get promoted within the company, like every quarter. So I kind of took advantage of that. Um, and what that meant is that I knew I, I basically had it that I knew that I would have a front end developer job because they would write me a you know development plan, a personal development plan, and I would just follow that. And then you know when the <laughs> When it comes to October or whatever, I would have a front-end developer job almost guaranteed, which was very fortunate. But then there came there came a point where, um, you know, obviously my job was to hire junior developers as well. And I realized that, you know, I was looking at the tech tests and I was looking at their CVs and I was interviewing them and I was constantly getting feedback from from the devs that I was working with to hire these people. And I kind of kind of realized that like maybe I could actually apply I think it was when we had a Dropbox paper of all of the questions that we ask and um, you know it's just a whole list of questions about react about ES6 uh, about general like agile methodology and I realized that I could actually answer the majority of these questions um, already and then I looked at what they were expecting for a senior a mid and a junior and for for a senior, it was basically like they had to like know the answers. And for a mid, it was they had some good answers and were aware of the others. And for a junior, it was basically like, we just want them to be aware of these concepts, be able to explain a few and be enthusiastic. And I was like, I could definitely, I could definitely do that. And, uh, and obviously I was, you know, I was talking to the front end devs all the time and showing them my code and they were, they were very supportive. So yeah, there came a point where I thought maybe I am at that junior level and, um, and then and then it, and then recently, uh, when I started this job search uh, externally, it was because uh, my company is actually going through uh, an insane growth period, or has been for its entire existence, which is about three years. But but they basically want to hire about 100 people in six months, um, which is which is a lot. And so uh, they were saying to me, like, you know, we're happy to transition you into front end. We think you're going to be great, blah blah blah. But we need you to do your internal recruitment job because we're growing so fast. And that meant that I wouldn't be able to move for another three months. You know, it's great that they were, they are going to move me. I was super appreciative of all the support, but you know, I was also trying to develop myself and I was just thinking like, I'm kind of done with this recruitment stuff. Like I've done it for four years. I've learned what I've had to learn, but I, my heart was set on front end. And Mm -hmm. even though three months in the grand scheme of your career is nothing, it was just when it's your like passion and you want to do it and you know, the whole time I've had this visualization of coming into work and opening up a text editor, which for the past year and a half has just been something I do in my own time as a hobby. Being able to do that professionally has been like the dream that I'm working towards. And when you have that and you feel so close and you feel like you could do it now, you know, three months seems like an eternity. So it was at that point where I thought, okay, well, I might as well reach out to a few other companies and see if they would consider me a, a junior level. And if they don't, then great, I'll stay here for three months and move here. If they do, then we'll see where that goes. Um, so that was kind of that process. It sounds like you had a little bit of a momentum and it, the timing was just perfect um, to start that job search. Um, where did you go to search for a job? Did you just use your like 
leads that you were getting as an internal recruiter or how did you go about searching for the job? As an internal recruiter, I don't, I didn't really know, uh, you know, my job was just to hire for one company, whereas agency you're hiring for, you know, everyone. Um, so my sort of market knowledge was, you know, uh, I wasn't aware of who was hiring what, but I obviously knew, you know, I obviously know the, the good tech companies in London. Uh, and I overview so many CVs, you know, I, I, I'm just aware of like certain companies. And um, so I created, I created a spreadsheet, which ended up having about 100 companies in London that were looking for front end developers. And then I prioritized them by like high, medium, low priority and how, how much of their job spec that I felt like I could demonstrate. Um, and, and so I just narrowed it down to a few because I really wasn't actively, actively looking. But yeah, so I, I kind of just reached out to the ones that I knew of that were in a similar space um, that also might have heard of, of the company that I work for. And so it was it was basically like a very a very tailored approach. And then I just made sure that all of my um, all of my applications were, you know, as you know, tailored to that company and to that role as possible. So I was reading like the the hiring managers blogs that they posted and then commenting on those when I was applying to the job. Um, as in like uh, not commenting on the actual blog, but commenting on it in my application. And yeah, so I, I, uh, yeah, I ended up applying through those. And also I, I had, I was, unfortunately, um, I had a lot of companies approach me for um, talent acquisition roles in their companies as well. They wanted me to become an internal recruiter um, and I would be saying, no, sorry, I'm moving to front end. But the way that I actually ended up getting my, my new job was by turning that on to them and just saying, no, I'm moving to front end, but would you consider me as a junior front end developer? And they were like, yeah, sure. Here's tech test. Do you have a sense of how many companies you applied to? Because I know some people, it's really just a numbers game and they apply to as many as possible and then just kind of funnel their way down until they get some in-person interviews. Uh, how did that all play out for you? Yeah, so I... um. I think it's. I think the the job your job search strategy is very different depending on on where you're at in your career, um, and also just from just from my time in recruitment, it's insane how much of uh, a job search comes down to luck and timing, and um, that's kind of what what I found because you know uh, the company I work for in a similar similar boat where you know we would go through periods where we could only hire seniors because we were too too many juniors and then we could we could only hire junior or mids because we had so many seniors or and and so I kind of knew that going in and um I was also because I was uh because I had this you know internal move in in my back pocket so to speak I didn't have as much of a rush on it so I thought I'll take my time and be as tailored as possible so I think I only applied to about 17 companies um probably half of those didn't come back to me at all um and then probably another like handful of those just gave me like an auto rejection. They probably just saw my CV, like no, no commercial dev experience. <laughs> so fair enough. Like I probably, I probably would have done the same thing if I was them. Um, to be fair at this time I had, I was actually, um, I was actually working on some production code for, for the company. Like I just basically picked up some tickets. I ended up being like the, you know, the part-time front end developer for the, the, HR team because we needed to update stuff on our careers website, but we knew we were never going to get dev time to do it. So I would just do it. Uh, and so I was really like leaning on this in my applications that, you know, I've contributed to the production uh, code base, you know, a handful of times. Um, and, and some companies really like that. 
um, I had some really, really nice responses where people would write back to me and just say, you know, we love your profile. We think it's cool, but we literally have one front end developer in the whole company. So we need, you know, we need at least another couple of seniors before we can consider you, but we'd love to consider you in the future. Uh, and that's, that's again, when it comes down to timing. And then I actually work, uh, like the company I work for works next door to, uh, kind of a competitor, but not really. Uh, and so I went for a coffee with their, their internal recruiter there and I was talking to him about, about what I was looking for. And he, he was kind of saying like, you know, it's, it's awesome what you're doing, but we need two seniors in the tech lead before we can even consider a junior. And so, yeah. And then I think it was, it was basically, yeah, another, to be fair, another internal recruiter was really good. And he said like, oh, sorry, we can't at the moment because we can't take juniors, but this company might be looking, we've heard. Uh, so people were really like trying to help, but a lot of times it's just a case of uh, companies just need people with experience sometimes. And uh, it's it's all about timing. And unfortunately, yeah, when, when this company reached out to me for, for a talent acquisition lead role, uh, I said, and I said like, no, sorry. And then a, a while later I got back in touch and I said, would you consider me as a junior front end? And they said, sure. I asked them in the interview, like, why, why are you guys hiring juniors? And their answer was, was basically like, well, they have a few experienced people on board. They, they don't have a junior. Um, but also at a certain point, just need people on board to do the work. You know, there's loads of rapidly growing startups. And if you're, if you can, you know, if you can build things in React, for example, for this role, uh, that's still, that's still valuable. And, uh, and yeah, so it was quite fortunate. What was that interview process like? Did you have to do um, any whiteboarding sessions or code challenges or anything? No, I think um, I think the whole whiteboarding thing is is uh, is on its way out, especially in London. Um, I think the the competition for for talent means that every company is trying to optimize their interview process. What's quite cool is that I actually uh, I actually put together an interview training program and ran these interview training sessions for the entirety of the company that I work for. And it like specifically geared around like cultural and behavioral interviews and competency-based questions and unconscious bias. And I've probably conducted about like a hundred, 200 interviews, um, you know, somewhere, somewhere in that range, uh, maybe not to 200, but you know, I've, I've done a lot of interviewing. So when it came to the face-to-face -face interview process, I was confident, but very nervous, obviously, because I'd never been this side of the table. Um, as a de as a developer, but at the same time, I I knew you know London's still relatively small. I knew somebody that had interviewed there recently, and so I just asked them, you know, what's the interview process like? Is there going to be a whiteboard question? Should I be preparing for these you know algorithmic style questions? And and he was like, no, it's very much based off the tech task that I did. So they sent me a tech task beforehand, which I probably spent about ten to twelve hours on, and it was all geared around that. And so. It was it was basically you know once you pass the tech task there's a good chance you're you're in a very good position going in and then it's more around like your cultural and your motivations which is something that I was uh, pretty confident that I could at least get across to them uh, in the right way but it was it was basically you know I sat down with with sort of four four developers they asked me about my backstory like why development what what areas of front-end development I'm interested in, all of these sorts of questions, which I could talk to anyone for hours about. 
And then they started, um, and then they pulled up bits of my code. They asked me how I found the test, what, what I struggled with, what I would, what I would do again, why I made certain design, why I made certain choices. One of their questions was, you know, they liked the way that I organized my code. It was very like, uh, you know, broken down into small components, which I'd picked up from one of the devs at where I work at the moment. And they were asking me like, oh, so why did you organize your code like that? And I was just like, well, I'm self-taught. I don't know any other way. Like, I just like, this is just all, this is all I know. And I, I was just made sure that in the interview process, I was really honest about like, you know, this is, this is the the limitations of what I know. And if I had more time, I'd learn this. And if I could do it again, maybe I'd do it this way. Um, and these are the reasons. And then, you know, once they criticized certain, certain choices that I made, I would just be like, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Actually, I never thought of that. Or yeah, I'm not married to the way that I did this at all. I just did it because that's the, that's, that's what I was doing at the time or I didn't feel like I had enough time. Um, so I just tried to be as honest as I could. I think um, before I went in, I kind of told myself, like, as long as I can walk out of the interview and I feel like I've represented myself accurately, then ultimately that's all you can do. And if they hire me, they hire me. If they don't, they don't. What's the role that you're starting then next week? Um, are you just doing React JS? Yeah, so uh, it's, a, it's a junior front-end developer role, and they, they've they migrated from Ruby over to uh, React. So uh, I think it's React, Redux, Router, uh, or Router, um, and React Native uh, Mobile. Um, and yeah, I think, that's all, I, th- I think that's what it will be. I hope that's what it will mm. be. <laughs> are, you, are you feeling nervous at all going into the, the job? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think um, I think in the states you guys have uh, two week notice periods as standard, whereas in the UK it's it's four weeks. So mm. I handed in my notice, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago actually, and and then what happened is, you know, I spoke to the company, they gave me the offer, you know, I almost cried, um, <laughs> and then. <laughs> I didn't, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, and then uh, and then I handed in my notice, and then you have this weird like four week notice period where I'm still working and uh, and obviously trying to do my my current job, my current career. Um, but everything is kind of winding down, and then obviously I've signed the contract, and so but then I hadn't spoken to my new company in like two weeks, and I was just like, what if this is all a joke? What if like <laughs> what if this goes wrong you know i've seen things happen in recruitment where you just like you know crazy stuff happens what if they lose funding what if you know whatever uh thinking all this paranoid stuff about like what if so i just kind of like dropped them an email being like oh hey i confirmed my last day uh you know and then asked a, a question they came back being like oh okay cool great so that was reassuring um yeah i st- i'm still like i still have no idea what to expect it's a completely different career i'm like pretty nervous but also like really excited um and and just trying to sort of take everything like one day at a time it's it's really weird because yeah i i remember i remember in the interview like the questions they were asking me i was surprised that i could answer and then for me that was when i felt like oh okay i do deserve to be the side of the table um because i i do actually know what i'm talking about to a like to a point to the level that i'm at as a junior and and so it's a constant, you know, switch between feeling like a like an imposter, like I'm just a recruiter. Like if you look at my CV, I've been recruiting for four years. Like why? How the hell have I got someone to hire me as a developer? And then on the flip side, I think, well, you know, 
my tech test was good. My GitHub's pretty active. I have loads of projects on there. I code every day. I listen to podcasts. Uh, and like, I, I guess I do deserve like a junior role. Um, so I'm kind of been going through this, uh, yeah, roller coaster for, for about four weeks now. And I'm kind of looking forward just to <laughs> starting something new. Yeah, I bet I bet you're ready to to get your your new desk pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll be weird when I sit down and then they're just like, "Oh, cool." So what I'm worried about is I'm going to sit down and they're going to be like, "Oh, can you do this?" And I'll look at it and I'll just be like, "Oh, I have no idea what this is. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing." <laughs> they're going to find out. <laughs> Imposter syndrome is uh, is pretty real. Uh, every pretty much everyone I talk to goes through it and and struggles with it. So um, the nerves are are definitely normal. <laughs> Yeah, it is an interesting one. I kind of just feel like as soon as I push code to GitHub for them, then I'll be like, well, I've added some sort of value. Uh, and then hopefully that will that will alleviate it. Um, but, but yeah. What advice do you have for people that are currently uh, interviewing for their first development job? Interviewing. I feel like if you're, if you're interviewing for your first development job, I feel like you're already, you're, you're already, like they're almost like I feel like the hard part is getting to a point where you can apply and then and then actually getting from app applying to an interview uh, getting to an interview is really hard and as I talked about I think the I think the almost the entry requirements for a junior aren't that much more than just being able to demonstrate that you can learn and if you've self-taught then obviously you can learn because you can just point to your code and just say I taught myself this um in terms of tips Honestly, I, I think uh, I think someone else said this on your podcast, but it was, it's kind of like the, you know, and especially as a recruiter, like the the worst way to apply to a company is just to actually apply to them, and it's bad. But as a as a as an internal recruiter, you know, often sometimes it will be you know direct candidates that like if they're just sat in in you know your ATS your applicant tracking system, sometimes they can get missed because we have you know, loads of agencies like recruitment agencies chasing us and calling us and pushing us for their candidates. And then we also have, if people email you directly, you kind of want to go back to them directly because they've gone to the effort of emailing you and finding your email address and you want people to have a good candidate experience. But if you just kind of apply online, I think it's easy to get overlooked. And then you also have to be confident that your, that your on paper CV looks better than everybody else's on paper CV. And then also trust that the recruitment team on the other side are strong enough to work out that you're worth talking to. Um, and that's not always the case. Uh, sometimes it is. Um, so I think networking is huge. Um, I, the people that, the people that came back to me tend, I feel, feel like tended to come back to me because I'd either interact with them before from a recruitment capacity. Um, and, and so, yeah, I would say like networking is, is huge. Um, I, th I just feel like hiring managers and people generally are quite, we're all quite emotional and uh, irrational. It's not, it's not fair. It's like a huge amount of its timing, a huge amount of its luck. Um, if someone feels like they, they know you, they're more likely to give you a break, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So networking, I mean, is 100% uh, the reason for my business partner and I's success. It, it, it can get you a lot farther than you possibly think it could um it's amazing what one one person internally of where you're trying to get um gives a, a good word of of um for your work or like your personality or you um it's amazing what it can do 
yeah, just looking at it from uh, from a recruiter position, like if somebody at, at the company I work for said to me, like this is my best friend, they're amazing, they'd be a great culture fit, they're super hardworking, they're you know they're they're hands down going to do well in the interview if we have this like junior developer role. The first thing I would do is be like, okay, awesome. I would go up to the front end lead or the back end lead or whoever. I'd go up to technical lead and be like, here's the backstory for this person. Or maybe I would go have a chat with them myself first and just try and get like all of the amazing things about them. And then I would go up to the front end lead or tech lead and just say, you know, just sell to them about this candidate being like, this is why we should get them in, even if we have a role or not. Um, you know, oftentimes companies, you know, bigger companies especially, they have to have like very corporate processes of like these are the roles we have signed off if you find a pretty young company that are startups you can just make roles for good people you can just say okay we're not really looking for this but like this person will be amazing let's get them in anyway um and it's uh yeah and and that that side of it is is yeah huge um i also just i think one of the i think one of the biggest mistakes that i made um when i was learning is like not going to meetups um i just like this sounds really silly, but I was just kind of like scared of going to them because I was just like, I'm surely going to be the worst person there. <laughs> and, and I was, just, I just didn't want to be sat there and then be the only one, like not really doing anything. I, it sounds so silly now, but like I said, it's, it's the, it's one of my regrets. And I felt like if I'd done that, then I would have, you know, I would have increased my chances of, uh, you know, applying to more places or just knowing more people, you know, knowing more developers, I, I might have like increased my learning curve a lot. Um, so if I was to do it all again, yeah, I'd be going to meetups actually. Um, I actually know someone who um, transitioned from studying graphic design at university to working at a really good company in, in London, purely from going to um, something in London we have called the Silicon Milk Roundabout. Um, he just went where all these tech companies are and he, he just networked and met somebody and they were like, yeah, sure, we'll interview you. Um, and I, I think having knowing somebody beforehand helps helps a lot. Whereas otherwise, you're just you're just another CV on paper, which sounds bad, but it's kind of kind of true. Well, great, Dan. This has been an awesome conversation and story. Um, solid advice too. Uh, congrats on the new job. Good luck next week or in two weeks. Um, I can't wait to hear how it all goes. So thanks for being on the show. Anyways, thanks a lot, Sean. If you enjoyed today's conversation, head over to icodehireme.com where a few of us are hanging out and helping each other learn to code.